Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Sydney Coach Replay Show. I'm Corey Camp, your host, and today you all know her very well. She's been on the show a few times. We have back Kelly Pittman. So if you're new to the Sydney Replay Show, Kelly is one of our Sydney uh, coaches our, on our virtual coaching team. We have an uh, elite team of coaches that work all across this nation, um, working with schools virtually to provide instruction instructional coaching support to educators in classrooms. And so Kelly is a 33-year educator. She's most recently served in the Alaska Statewide Mentor Project and the Alaska State Performance Review Board. She's been a presenter at district, state, and national levels. And I'm just so excited to have you here. Welcome, Kelly. Oh, thanks for having me again. And Happy New Year to you, Corey. Yes, Happy New Year. Uh, yeah, it's crazy to believe 2020 is upon us. And so um, it's I've had to scratch out 19 and write 20 a couple of times this week already. So, um, but yeah, Happy New Year. I This topic is a good one. I think we come back from our winter break having had an opportunity to maybe catch our breath and reflect a little bit, get refreshed and renewed, and we're ready to um, take on maybe some more challenges that we were just a little too exhausted to take at the at the end of last semester. Mm -hmm. So, yep. um, and usually at the top of that list, when I'm when I'm working with my teachers, and I'm sure you, you've seen the same at the top of the list is student engagement, right? So, and we're looking for new ways to kind of spice that student engagement up, but also we might just need to kind of get a really good hold on it. So, so we're going to talk about opportunities to respond today. And specifically, this is a great episode for our coaches watching, because you're going to share with us some of your tips on coaching teachers to engage students right. with instruction. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit more about um, how you approach this conversation and why it's so important in our classrooms. Okay, sure. So, you know, student engagement is one of my favorite topics to zoom in on when I'm coaching teachers. Um, and specifically, the, the question I like to ask is, how will students or how did students, depending on our when our conversation is happening, so how will students or, or how did students interact with the content of the lesson? So what I'm basically asking for is, are these teachers planning to offer students opportunities to respond? Are they planning before or are they doing it during their instruction? Or when we're reflecting afterwards, can they identify the opportunities that they gave students to respond? What questions, activities, um, tasks are planned within the delivery of the presentation of the content to engage the students and allow connections to be made? So uh, when we think about opportunities to respond, it's defined as instructional questions, statement or gesture made by the teacher. So. Um, the teacher seeking a response from the students and it's academic in nature, right? So we're not talking about the statements or directives concerning behavior on this. Right, right. So increasing, I was going to say, um, increasing the rate of opportunities for student response, it accomplishes some things that we all want in our classrooms, several objectives that it accomplishes are stimulating the learning, 
because it allows that personal connection to the content or the concept being taught. And um, it provides important feedback about whether the students understand the material and it increases on-task behavior. So we all want that. Right, yes. Especially right now when we're getting down to the nitty gritty before testing season starts. Yeah, we want everyone's full attention, especially this week as our students are adjusting to waking up a little bit earlier. Um, they might still be going to bed a little bit later. I know in, in our household, we're still trying to get back to our, our normal bedtime routine, but mm -hmm. we're waking up earlier than we were before and uh, getting going with our day. And so just keeping our students engaged just in general this week, but really anytime. And definitely that's one of the first things that we um, probably most people need to address when we are going in and supporting a teacher who might be struggling with instruction is not necessarily the, the rigor or the content. Sometimes right. we've got to start square one with that engagement. So, so your question then to your coaches is something like, how will students or how did students interact with the content, right? Because we're focusing on that academic right. engagement. Right. I, I like to use the word interact in my question. Uh, it implies active participation on the student's part. So we know that the lessons are going to include some guided practice or independent practice for students to demonstrate their learning. But teachers can jumpstart students learning success by offering them opportunities to respond actively during the instruction or the presentation of the content. So I, I just want to ask teachers how they create those opportunities for students to do something instead of being passive recipients. So I know we've seen the worst case scenarios, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the, the lengthy nonstop lecture without questions or giving students activities or tasks to engage. The best case scenario would be to intersperse questions that engage all students. Mm -hmm. um, like, like everyone prepare an answer to the following question and I will call on one of you. See, so that gets everybody ready to answer it, even if you're only going to take the time to call on one. Right. Um, or activities for all students. So something like stand up if you believe the following statement is true. And then the kiddos that weren't engaged are just suddenly going, why are these kids standing up? <laughs> Keeps <laughs> right? them on their toes. Oh, let's refocus. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's also tasks for all students. So maybe something like copy this list uh, into your notes. You will need it for your assignment later. So that gives them a task to do during that instruction. And the questions, activities, and tasks need to be planned right into the lesson. Yeah, it, that, that's so important for us to think about that planning piece, right? And so sometimes uh, we were really good at kind of reading those cues and and kind of right in the moment, giving that opportunity to respond. Sometimes we sure. miss those opportunities, um, but really we do best when those are planned and purposeful. And, and I've seen the other side of the scale where we're the teacher's looking for a lot of engagement, but it's not really content-based, it's not really authentic, or we have the Ferris Bueller teacher who's going, anyone, anyone, <laughs> let me just answer your question. There's no wait time, nobody's really responding, no one's engaged. So, um, so, as you're having this conversation, right, having a, a purpose and a why we know in coaching really matters. So bringing 
bringing our coaches back to kind of what, what the research says around the importance of this. So what do you have that you share with them as far as why opportunities to respond matter? Well, so opportunities to respond is considered to be one of the most critical classroom variables, right? And and there is research out there, like in um, Randy Spricks, you know, he's from Safe and Civil Schools. He's got a book, uh, Coaching Classroom Management, and it is the first thing listed when he's talking about classroom, critical classroom variables, mm-hmm. opportunities to respond. He cites... Um, a study done in 1994 uh, that initially uh, stipulated that opportunities to respond generates more learning and less disruptive behaviors. More learning, less disruptive behaviors. Right. This is, this is what we like. <laughs> but um, there are several studies that back up that early claim because um, that kind of seems like a long time ago. But more recently, the Council for Exceptional Children provided some guidelines for the optimal rate for opportunities to respond along with the research. Okay, so what is the optimal rate then, Kelly? Oh, yeah. Okay, so the guideline is four to six questions or responses should be elicited from students per minute of instruction of new material. So in a 10 minute observation of direct teacher instruction, that would be 40 opportunities to respond for each student. And because I know what you're thinking, how do I have time to ask 40 questions during my instruction? I'll never get the lesson done. Right. um, This is where you can rely on every full response strategies or total participation techniques. And um, these, these will ensure that students have enough opportunities to respond to increase the engagement and improve the academic performance of your students. Yeah, I love that. And, and that's, it is overwhelming, right? And, and, and when we talk about uh, like rate of engagement and all of those things, it, it's overwhelming because we kind of look back at our own reflection. I think back to my own instruction and think there are many lessons where I did not meet that minimum. Um, but like you said, there's some really wonderful strategies out there that can help us kind of make the the most use of our time. And we're going to talk about those in a minute, but before we do, you know, the the next step is to really identify, you know, a baseline, figure out how we can measure this, especially if this is going to become a focus or a goal for the coach and coachee to work towards. So, um, when you talk about data collection around um, opportunities to respond in student engagement, what are some of your methods for uh, measuring those? Well, I have to admit that data collection is another reason why I like to address this topic with teachers when I'm coaching or, or, colla- or collaborating with them. Um, it's an area that needs improvement. Then the data will say so not me, right? I can let the data speak. It's so nice when we as coaches can um, take the data, present the data (laughs) and let the teachers see I could do better or I want my, I want more for my students, right? So, um, what do I do? I, I really like seating charts. Um, the paper and pencil, 
and or champs. Um, I already mentioned Ra uh, Randy Sprick. They actually have uh, a specific form to collect opportunities to respond using tally marks. And um, ahead of time, you can decide with the teacher, you know, how to categorize those tally marks. But yeah. That's that's kind of a way to individualize your coaching. Mm -hmm. um, even a half sheet of paper can be used to record individual student responses and the every pupil response strategies used, or some people call it um, total participation techniques. But I'm kind of meaning the same thing there that right, all right. students have an opportunity to to gesture or speak or uh, engage with a response. And, you know, um, using video is a quick way for me, better yet, <laughs> doesn't have to be just me. The teacher can have the form and collect data on the actual opportunities to respond throughout a lesson. So when you're watching the video, you can you can still use a, a seating chart or or the form and document while you're viewing. And at the same time, at, at least with the Sydney app that we use, as Sydney virtual coaches, you can use the comments to document the impact of the increased opportunities to respond on the students because it's right there for you to see it. Right. Yeah. And and I love the idea. We've come so far with video and teacher professional development, professional learning. Um, before it was primarily a tool for see these models, these exemplars of best practices, and then let's talk about them. But now with the tools like Sydney, um, you are able to record yourself or record a teacher. And then it's not so much uh, this reactive type of engagement or this kind of coach-led conversation, which we, we really want our coaches to be able to take ownership in this coaching experience. Right. It's not about me recording you and seeing you. This is something TJ Hoffman here at Sydney says a lot. It's not about the coach seeing the video. It's about you seeing yourself. Um, that's that powerful piece for them to be able to look at that. And that's one of the first things whenever I start working with teachers with video that they'll notice is the student engagement. Like they'll go back and say, I thought my class was really engaged, but gosh, it was the same five kids raising their hand every time. In my mind, it was it was the whole class, but this video is telling me something very different, which is the scary part mm -hmm. about video sometimes, but it's also that powerful <clears throat> part about video. And um, I will with my coaches, you know, will every time they ask a question, we will type in our comments, you know, the type of, you know, prompt, you know, did you ask for a gesture? Was yeah. did you was this a cold call on a student where it was this really an every people responds uh, type of question? And then we even will will look at the moments right after that, looking at maybe wait time, but also how many students actually responded, right? So it's much, if I say turn and talk, then, you know, am I seeing everybody turning and talk? Or are they both taking part yeah, in that interaction? Yeah, you get to see it. Or you get to see that, oops, I fell into that Ferris Bueller's teacher uh, where I just started, I had pacing, right? It was on top of my mind. And that happens. That happens to the best of us. Pacing kind of overwhelms us. And we start just kind of going through and, and telling those answers to our own questions. So um, one of my favorite, you mentioned Randy Sprick, one of my favorite um, people to follow and a lot of the re the tools that I use when I work with coaching for, for opportunities to respond is Anita Archer from her explicit instruction. 
And one of the, my favorite things that she said is she said, if you stand, if you present content material to the entire class, why wouldn't you ask the entire class to respond, right? So it's not that I presented it to all of you, but only Kelly is responsible for responding <laughs> to me at this time. And that just made so much sense to me. I use that a lot with the people that I work with as well as a way just to kind of let's shift from what we're used to and the way we were taught where it was you know, who can tell me? And then I call on, you know, someone who raised their hand or I'm calling on a student who I'm trying to get back on task or I'm cold calling um, to really getting a chance for everybody to respond. Right. So, and it does, it does take some confidence. You know, you've got to build your confidence in, in stretching how you're going to question or mm -hmm. turning it over to gestures or having students stand up. Oh, wow. If I have students stand up, then they're going to start talking. Then they're going to start, you know, just having some confidence to make it happen effectively. Yeah. And I love that. I love that you mentioned that Kelly, because um, that was going to be my next question for you is um, especially if we're starting like really early on, we're looking at one of those, you know, worst case scenarios, the teacher really needs a lot of support in engagement. Um, where do we start, right? Because if, if we're struggling with engagement, we have the opposite of all of those great things that you mentioned. We have students mm -hmm. who are off task. We have students who, you know, we don't have the data for them. So where do we start? Where do you start when you are working with a coachee who needs to work in this area? And they're maybe starting at ground one. What's a great place to start? So, um, again, I think using video to do your data collection provides a way for the teacher to see their own improvement. So I, I put in a plug for that, right? Because you start with that, to answer your question, a baseline data collection with your first video. So a short video, take baseline data on the opportunities to respond, compare those numbers to the guidelines that research tells us, and then you can make a plan with your coachee. So maybe you watch the same video together. I know that's what I like to do. I like to make sure we're both watching it. And then we start to collaborate to identify where in the lesson were some opportunities that could have been taken to engage students uh, with strategic questioning or throwing in like that every pupil response strategy. Um, then you can ask about upcoming lessons and look over the plans to brainstorm some points where students can interact with the content that you can tell I'm big on that, <coughs> excuse me, on that word, interact. Yes. yes. Keep, it, keep it front and center because that covers questions, activities, and tasks. So um, this kind of collaboration, you can you can imagine it can get really fun. And you can create a menu of interventions for increasing the opportunities to respond during those lesson plans that you're looking over. You can identify uh, ways to increase what's already working for the teacher and then offer new ideas based on their comfort level. So um, I, I like them to like go through the brainstorm list, you know, and maybe star or circle a couple that they're willing to try, you know, and then you schedule at least two more video dates, repeat the data collection and the improvement will be measurable. And I can tell you coaches really like that. 
They do. So uh, they don't just rely on, you know, okay, I've, I, I've got to have Kelly here to tell me that I, it's working even when I don't feel like it maybe is, or I'm not quite sure yet. I haven't got the grasp of what it should feel like or what I should kind of notice in the instruction when it's happening. But um, that's actually one of the same strategies that I do is we kind of brainstorm a list and I have some like, I recommend we start here given where we currently are, right? Let's do, maybe it's doing more, like you said, of what's already going really well, or maybe it's trying a new strategy. Um, I also will, going back to that, you know, all students respond, I'll say, you know, let's just write down a few of the questions you plan to ask here and, and let's write them exactly how you're going to ask them so you can say, you know, you'll know, turn to your partner and say, so just get to get them to rehearse that. Because I know when I first started using like a partner first response, I'd forget, right? I'd, I'd ask the question and then I'd go, oh, wait, turn to your partner and talk about it first before, you know, I call on anybody. So um, helping them to remember some of those stems by explicitly planning some of those out. But definitely, here's a whole list, and then choose some of these that you think are most interesting. We might have to watch another teacher do it, either through video or right. by visiting a class. But um, And I love that you, you know, those two more videos, and that's kind of, I always usually go by a rule of three at minimum when we're working towards a goal, because then you can see progress and you can celebrate progress. Right. That's so, what I mean. The coaches, the 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 teachers that I'm working with, they they like to measure their success. Like I'm up this much percent, or whatever. So it is. It is a celebration, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Um, and, it, and it's a lot of fun. So again, I think this this is when we work towards these opportunities to respond. It doesn't matter what the content is. It doesn't matter what grade level I end up teaching next year or any of that, because these are things that I can take and they're really transcendent teaching skills, just like reflection is for us to be able to continue to go through. But video really is a wonderful way to measure this. It's also great because I don't have to have the camera on me as the teacher, right? I need to be able to hear how I prompt the, the interaction, but I need to look at the interaction. So that's a great one for the the camera to be on those students mm -hmm. and looking mm -hmm. at how they're interacting and they can do it without the coach too yes yeah in exactly between, they do between. they do not need you to be there especially once i think one of the big keys is giving them a process to collect the data um i think that's really huge because again they can continue mm -hmm. to do you know little assessments little checkpoints here and there um to just kind of see how they're doing in that area make sure they're maintaining that consistency it's really easy. And I know for me, I would get really good at something and it'd be pretty consistent. And then I'd learn maybe something new or try something new and something's falling off my plate. And so just to make sure that that stays there, um, that's a great way for teachers to continue to do that and continue again to celebrate progress even further down the road. So what are a few, you mentioned the the Kagan strategies and structures. Uh, you mentioned Randy Sprick and some great things within Champs. I talked a little bit about Anita Archer and explicit mm -hmm. instruction. Are there any other resources that you go to uh, to provide for your uh, teachers as you're working with this as a goal? Um, you know, something else I got from Anita Archer, so I'm glad you brought that up, is um, she talks about using getting responses verbally written and mm -hmm. uh, action mm -hmm. 
-hmm. So verbally, she, um, I think, I think I remember her mentioning like um, having students use their Mickey Mouse voice to respond, you know, yeah. so a choral response, you know, all in your Mickey Mouse voice or yes. your whatever, you could choose the voice, minions maybe, <laughs> but <laughs> um, partner sharing, you know, that's a, that's a Kagan strategy, but that would also be considered by Anita Archer, one of those verbal choices, mm -hmm. um, written. So maybe you have uh, a listening guide for students doing this is great for middle school mm -hmm. and high school, right? We know that, uh, mm -hmm. journals, post-its, I I love using post-its yes, with yes. students. Same. It just seems like, you know, this this much room isn't overwhelming, but at the same time is accountability mm -hmm. for students to actually. So I, I love using post-its. Um, whiteboards is another one we see for a written response. So how about actions? Um, we've all seen the thumbs up, you know, mm -hmm. I think, you know, but how about actually getting up and going to four corners, you know, when you can separate out the concept into four responses, that might be fun or acting out uh, would be another action that um, I think Anita Archer mentions in explicit instruction. So I like yeah. that resource too. I do. Um, yeah. I, well, and I... I loved that she had that kind of those, those different ways to respond and you can kind of combine them together. So I might, you do, and one of my favorites, especially helps with wait time is, you know, you're going to turn and talk to your partner, but first you're going to think independently. So that's, mm -hmm. again, I'm not leaning on my partner to be the one who provides a response. I have to respond first written. Um, so then I can cruise through the room and see, you know, where everybody kind of is. And then they get to turn and talk. So it's instead of think, pair, share, it's think, write, pair, share, right. um, which I think is a great addition to that, especially when you're um, wanting to look at some additional accountability. Yeah. And I'm just like you, I love the post-it note idea because I worked with struggling um, learners and a lot of them had writing deficits. And so that that post-it was king for it not being too overwhelming. I don't have to fill out this big thing and write really big to try to fill it up. Um, it was just enough for me. So um, those are some those are some really good ones for sure. Yeah, Any yeah. Another Kagan strategy I really like is that numbered heads together, mm -hmm. right? Where they all lean in, and then then only then um, you everyone has a number, and then the teacher calls the number, and you don't know which number it's going to be. So person number two might have to give the answer for all the people in that small group. So yeah. that's that's another one to get a lot of engagement in a short amount of time. So there's also um, some techie options, right? You know, mm -hmm. you can insert some survey monkey kind of survey thing, get that going or smart board polling. If you have a smart board in your classroom, there's the capabilities of, of pulling through that um, or using uh the Plickers app or the Verso app. Have you heard of those? Those are- I've heard of Plickers. Well, and, and Verso is another one where the app is actually on the teacher's phone, right? Mm -hmm. And they're able to elicit responses from every student uh, to direct the instructions. So, so um, you might think of those things as being formative assessment, but that's kind of a big idea that we haven't mentioned. That formative assessment is 
an opportunity to respond. So students are responding and connecting to the content and the teacher is getting the info needed to direct the instruction on throughout the lesson. So if you have any formative assessment ideas or resources that you're already using, this is what I'll tell the teacher, you know, you, you can insert and write into the lesson as an opportunity to respond. So if you're already planning an exit ticket, maybe you could use that in the middle of the lesson too, and then see how their answers change by the time you end, you end the lesson, right? So- I love that idea. Kind of even breaking it up, like what I what I know right now, or what I think about this topic, and then what I've learned, and they can post that as their exit ticket. Right, um, that's a right. great way for them to see progress as well, to, for them to see their own learning. So now there's a I lot of good idea. formative assessment ideas in um, the Scholastic. I have a book by Scholastic put out quick twenty five quick formative assessments for differentiated classroom. I think mm -hmm. is how it goes, but yeah, it, and it just had their they're like low prep, right? Quick, easy. We don't we don't have a lot of time to do that, but but a lot of good ideas. Um, activators. If you haven't seen uh, that book, I think mm -hmm. there's a book for middle school and for high school, but it's by Nicole Frazier and somebody else. I don't even know those authors, but I'll tell you this. The forward is by Carolyn Thomason, so it gets my attention, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Another place I like to go is Discovery Ed. If you have access to Discovery Ed, and I know not all school districts do, but if you are fortunate enough to have access, they have a link to um, what they call Spotlight on Strategies, mm -hmm. the SOS is what they call it. And of course it's geared toward um, using the instructional videos that Discovery Ed provides on almost every topic you can think of, but um, they work just as well for direct instruction or demonstrations or guest speakers, you know, those SOS uh, spotlight on strategies activities. So yeah, those are some of my favorites. I love those. Um, they are, they're, I got a little feedback going. Here we go. Okay. So I, I love all of those. Um, definitely some of my activators I have heard of, but like you, I haven't read that one yet. I'll add to the list um, act, Joyful Learning, which is by Paula Kluth. So anybody working with um, students with with different dis different abilities, um, check that one out. Paula Kluth is like my number one guru for inclusive um, strategies and education. She's a great advocate for that. And what I love about that is it's some of those Kagan structures. It's a lot of the stuff that we see in, in a lot of these uh, resources that you mentioned, but she also gives you an example or two for each of those of how it was used in a classroom for a student with, you know, a nonverbal, you know, a deficit or who's using like a Mac switch for communication as opposed to being able to verbalize. So there's some really great strategies in that one. Well, this has been a, an awesome, we could go on and on. We talked about this right before the show, uh, Kelly, that this is really one of those that it just can go on and on and it never ends. Um, I know we're going to have some more coaches coming in and talking a little bit about this topic of engagement. So a couple of things I'll tell the audience, all of those resources that we kind of talked about here, we've got um, Kelly has in her coach uh, replay takeaways for this episode, episode 17. So download that. We'll put the link uh, below the show 
notes, but also um, we'll post it again in case you uh, missed it later on this week. So download those. We have them for every single one of our episodes to just summarize the um, tips and topics that we talked about with our coach and provide additional resources for you to check out. So Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really awesome getting to talk with you a little bit more about this. And I know we'll have some more episodes with you in the future. Oh, thanks again for having me, Corey. It was great. Yes, it was. It was so great. So um, audience, tune in next week for another episode of the Sydney Coach Replay Show.